Episode 3, I'm one of your hosts, Dan. I'm joined, as always, by Don. And we're here today to talk about free agency and sort of a looking back because pretty much everyone who's going to make a difference has been signed for the most part. So we want to talk about how Sox did in comparison to the league at this point now that everything's wrapping up and we're heading into spring training. So, Don, I'm going to... Go ahead and throw it to you, and get let's get a, a quick take on how you think the Sox did. Let's get going. All right. Well, yeah, let me ask you a question to start. So rewind five months ago. Season's over. We both, I think, thought maybe we're going to get George Springer. Maybe we'll get Trevor Bauer. So, like, thinking back to those super high expectations, how do you think the White Sox did just compared to how you expected them to do at the beginning? So, first of all, tip of the cap for the classic alpha move. Someone asks you <laughs> to do something, and you instantly say, well, let me ask you. <laughs> so, well done. The, now, real, the real reason for that is I just poured, like, a very delicious beer, and I wanted to taste it while you talked. And I Fair enough. Yeah. Just, yeah, to get the taste of my take out of your system. <laughs> I get it. Uh, so, I kind of... Think of this, how the Sox did, if you think of like a boxing match. That's how I'm going to make my analogy here. I think they they won the first and second round with a lot of interesting combinations. Maybe they're the underdog and they surprised you. And then slowly they got worn down and either lost the match on uh, – decision or they got knocked out entirely so that's kind of my take i think we started off really hot and maybe almost too hot maybe we punched ourselves out early uh and then as the league caught up and made their moves it sort of makes to me i'm a little less happy with where we ended up at the end versus how we started it's important on a baseball podcast to make an analogy to the only other sport young people like less than baseball so yeah, cool. let's drive ourselves into complete irrelevancy and talk about hockey next. So you got any horse, racing, uh, any horse racing analogies here? No, but I'll say if you're ever at the racetrack and there's an Irish horse, bet on that horse because they're going to win. Oh, is that a real tip? In my experience, yes. Okay, <laughs> I've never been to a horse, horse race. Uh, we'll get back to Okay. <laughs> Um, I do like your boxing analogy because I think like when I think back to when we traded for Lance Lynn, you and I were both huge fans about that or huge fans of that. And I thought that was just the start to getting a Trevor Bauer. Like that was going to be our second best move because the way Rick Hahn was talking about, he was kind of teasing the fans a little bit, like getting us excited and the whole, no one was hiding about, um, or no, was, no one was shy about the fact that, yeah, 2021, we want to contend for a World Series. Mm-hmm. And really high expectations. Trade for Lance Lynn, awesome. Last year, got Yasmani Grandel, awesome. It was like, oh man, 
what's going to be our John Lester, like the Cubs? What's going to be our Jason Hayward? Not that that deal really worked out, but it was a ton of money. What's going to be our Hugh Darvish? It's like $150 million. And it never came. So from right. that lens, I am disappointed because there were guys out here that were A, somewhat reasonable in their cost, and B, like, fit a huge need. Trevor Bauer, would he, I mean, maybe he never wanted to come to Chicago. Who knows what that stuff, but $100 million? Sox could have afforded that. Sox could right. have afforded that. Like, Springer, maybe not 150, but they could have. I mean, they were willing to pay Manny Machado like 200 million a couple of years ago. So, I, from that perspective, like, I am very disappointed, but it's silly for me too because we've been Sox fans for 20 years. When has Reinstorf ever just dove through the, dove in the deep end? Like, when has he ever just went all in? I don't think he ever has. I think we've, you know, lucked into some good rosters Some everything sort of fell into place. I think what you said about, you know, it started hot, who's next, I think what's most upsetting about it is our needs were available and kind of deeply available oh, yeah. in free agency. So right field, DH, starting pitching, that was, if you look at the top free agents in this class, of the top 15, you have multiple hits in each of those categories, and we didn't get any of them. We didn't get Azuna. We didn't get Brantley. I, I mean, I know I was hot on Azuna last time we talked, but the more I think about it, the more Brantley just makes perfect sense as like an outfielder slash DH that we missed on Azuna. Cruz, we miss on both of those guys. Springer, like you said, Bauer, like anyone really. I mean, since the last time we talked, the the big act, and we talked about doing an emergency pod, but we never did because I don't think either of us are truly excited. Was uh, Liam Hendricks? Yeah. So I think we let's chat about the Hendricks deal a second. Uh, for me, I'm not a big fan of big deals for closers. And in this case, I'm even okay. If you look at who he is profile wise, where he fits in the league, he is the top relief pitcher at this moment. I, I won't argue that just because the stats all point to it. My issue with it is, is that it's like an 18 month. Oh, I figured it all out. And we're paying, what are we paying? 54 million for three years. And there's like a, a weird player option at the end where he can, what is it, choose to walk and still get paid? It's like have if Liam we, and Hendricks stay. If we, if the Sox like don't want him for a fourth year, they still have to pay him, but they can defer the salary. So they'll have like right. 10 years to pay him the fourth year, which is weird because why not just have him pitch for you? Unless he's horrible, I guess. Right, right. So I don't know, like closer impact, how much better is he than Colome? I mean, he's better. He's in the next like tier, maybe two tiers ahead of Colome. But I don't know if that was the you know cherry on this off season of yep, this is the last piece. And so I'm kind of disappointed that it was the last move that we made. Really, that's exactly right. You make that move if it's going to be your last piece for a title contender, and. 
I mean, the Cubs, they traded Glaber Torres for Araldis Chapman, which if you zoom out, like, yeah, that's a bad deal. But they won a World Series. They knew Chapman was the final piece to win a World Series, and they won. So how upset can you be? So if we, like, win the World Series and overpay Hendricks, no one's going to be complaining about the deal. I just don't think there's... I don't think anyone can rationally look at this team, look at what we did in 2020, look at the rest of the teams in the AL, and think, you know what? Hendricks is the difference between the 2020 team and a World Series. There's no way. It's crazy. So, especially, oh my God, like Ozuna, I know you're a bigger Ozuna guy than me, but looking at what he got, which is barely more than Hendricks, and to think like we basically chose Hendricks over Ozuna, that sucks. That is just so depressing. Oh, absolutely. And just to your Cub point or, you know, any number of teams closers are available at the deadline because teams that aren't in contention they know that you know okay that's a throwaway asset we could have gotten someone if we needed an upgrade did we even need an upgrade could we have just ridden the bullpen we had promoted someone from like the 10 great relief pitchers we have we don't want to sign colome fine put bummer in there put marshall in there give him a go put fry who cares crochet who cares let's try it so i that just yeah. with, with no with with what's his name adam angle as our first signing right adam and eaton. eaton sorry we got two I, white adam e's now <laughs> i can't help but go back to adam angle <laughs> um it's just it's disappointing and you know you zoom out on what everyone else did you know, namely Padre, the Padres, the Padres <laughs> and the Dodgers. You may as well morph them into one super team. Same state, the Padres. Uh, I like to breathe them up. Like, I think they elevated. And then you look in our, and, and you know, we did to some extent in the, the, line, the starting rotation. I, I'm not going to argue that, that we didn't get better. But the Padres and the Dodgers, a.k.a. Padres, all <laughs> got better. The Twins got better. The Royals got a little bit better. Uh, it's because, I mean, for me, I we got to look at the division and then we look at the National League. I don't really want to get into where we sit in the American League because I don't know if you saw this either the Picada simulation of oh yeah the season we're ranked third in the AL central behind the Indians but here's the thing so I, I saw that and I saw um fan graphs they project us to win let me see 87 games second place they have the twins winning the division 88 and I think Pakota was also like 87 wins around there maybe 84. And people are so pissed off about this. But my question to those people and like to you, I guess rhetorically is do people think the Sox are like a hundred win team or something? Like we didn't win the division last year. And I know it was 60 games, obviously, but we didn't win the division last year. Our improvements this year were Dane Dunning to Lance Lynn and Dane Dunning was good last year. Obviously Lance Lynn is a better pitcher, but that's one improvement. Another is Hendricks over Colome, which 
maybe is it like one win, maybe two wins, and then Adam Eaton over Nomar Mazar, Adam Engel, whatever that like Frankenstein's monster of shit in right field was. <laughs> <laughs> but those are the only three things. So if we take a second place team, turn Dane Dunning into Lance Lynn, and then upgrade closer a little bit and maybe upgrade right field. Do people think that's like a 10 win improvement? This team's like fine. It's a good team. It's fine. I just don't get the anger over these projection systems saying like we're good, not great. Cause I think we're not great. Do you disagree? Maybe. I mean, I don't know. You know, when they first came out, I was for sure incensed. Like this is an outrage. We're going to win a hundred games. And then, not actually, but I just expect yeah. I didn't expect the Indians who've gotten rid of every single player right. to be ahead of us. I don't agree with that still. And it, their projection is 83 and 79. Just to oh, okay. put out what they have. Twins, 91, 71. Indians, 86, 76. Yes, I presented it in 312 order for everyone to understand clearly. <laughs> uh <laughs> I, but now that a week or so have passed since these came out and I look around the league and I look what we did, I don't know if I still think we're going to be in second, but I don't think it's that ridiculous that we're kind of seen as a middle tier team. I, I don't. So yeah, cause like with time I'm, I'm exactly where you are. It's like, like think back, it was a 60, 60 game season and we had pretty much a total meltdown at the end. Oh God. Yeah. We were terrible. What what if that meltdown happens three times? What if we never have a hot streak? What if Jose Abreu is not the MVP of the American league, which he, I would be willing to bet pretty much all my money that he won't be. If someone's out there taking that bet, I'll take that bet. Okay. (laughs) Thick. (laughs) So that's good news for me. I'm sure it's horrible odds, but I'll take oh, yeah. it either way. Yeah, so I I think it's accurate to some extent that we're not an elite team. Well, here, so I um, did a quick equation. Um, our last year, our uh, pace was a 94 win team. If you extrapolate it to 162 games, 94 wins. And Fangers has is winning 87 this year. So is it more likely that we dip from a 94-win team to an 87-win team or that we go from a 94-win team to a 101-win team? Like when people look at the offseason, they look at our 2021 team, how could you think we're going to get seven wins better? when all these reasons you outlined of how we can get worse are just so strong. Like I, if we, we can fast forward eight months, it's October and we miss the playoffs because we won 83 games. I honestly won't be shocked. I'd be surprised. I would not be shocked. I think they're, you know, let's maybe go a little optimistic. Some ways we can get better are if Yawn, Mankata, plays like he did in 2019 that that's a humongous bonus to the team that's more runs another potential upside is not having the worst dh in major league baseball or the american league that's probably probably the biggest thing you could point to if you think that andrew vaughn comes in and is like rookie of the year which is possible i mean he's a crazy good prospect 
So that's true. The pitching gets better. We have three starting pitchers now that are projected to have B, war two or greater. That's good. Uh, we could have a surprise at the end of the rotation from some combination of Cease, Kopech, and Rodon being better than Reynaldo and Cease. So, well, let's start there. Let's to bring back to free agency. So, I think that was probably the clearest position to upgrade in the offseason, and they did with the Lancelin trade. But after that, I think there was still a huge portion of the Sox fan base that wanted another starting pitcher. So, trading for Lancelin, bringing back Rodon, are you okay with that? Or, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the starting pitchers that were available Trevor Bauer. Maybe it was never a possibility. Rick Porcello, I don't think Porcello is like any more. I'd rather roll the dice with Rodon, Seas, Kopech. There's Adam Wainwright, you know, for $10 million. Like, do we really want that? There's Charlie, Milley, you know, for $15 million, who's 40 years old. So there's all these guys who are still question marks. So. I think Wainwright went back to the Cardinals, didn't he? Yeah, he, yeah. So that seems like another guy, like, no way. So then we're going deep down into guys like Mike Miner, who signed with Casey, Rich Hill, who signed for $2 million. So then it's like, okay, are we fine with giving Cease, Kopech, Reynaldo, Carlos Rodon another shot? Or do we want to sign like a 39 year old free agent? I'm actually fine with what the White Sox did in the offseason with starting pitching. Not relief pitching, not closer, but starting pitching, I think what we did was like B plus A minus territory. Yeah, I mean, I'm not fine with it if we're trying to win the World Series. If you look at, like, our rotation puts us, I'd say, firmly at the bottom of the top or the top of the middle of rotations in all of major league baseball, but it doesn't put us in that Yankee Dodger class of these are the best rotations or the Mets, something like that. How are the Mets actually in depth? Let's get I mean, into the Mets baseball. That's a good point though, because I guess I'm like uh, Stockholm syndroming myself where we literally just saw the Dodgers win a world series stacked bottom to top and still get Trevor Bauer. Right. Like, why am right. I talking like, Oh, I'm fine with these moves in the match. They go out and get Stroman. They like, um, yeah. So we've seen these good teams make their strengths even stronger. So it's, I guess it's silly for me to say like, I'm fine with it when God, imagine Trevor Bauer on this team. Imagine Bauer, Giolito, Keigel and Lance Lynn. That's right. And that's possible. It was possible. Right. I mean, if we had added a Bauer to our team, we would be in the best rotation in Major League Baseball and best offense in Major League Baseball conversations. We, I mean, it's not unreasonable to think that if if we sign Bauer, I think we're the AL we're the favorites to make the World Series, right? I would well betting or logical because I think the Yankees would still be the favorite yeah, no matter true. what. Just because where the money goes, but I think we'd be as good as the Yankees, though. Like we'd be a clear one or two. Like we're making the ALCS, and when when Reinsdorf looks at that, he when he looks at what could be, I just don't know how you can look at this 
team that is filled with guys in their prime or entering their prime and not do something like that. I just don't get it. Absolutely. I mean, I don't know if you look at the just team war projection for next year, but we're at 39.7. The Dodgers are at 49.6. And if you minus four off the Dodgers for Bauer and put it on us, then we're the second or third best team. We're in that conversation right now. We're kind of looking in and a team like, as much as this has been a slow build and we've done everything right, you look at a team like the Mets right now. They went from completely irrelevant to a betting favorite. To I don't think they're going to do anything this year. I think it's going to take two years to sort of figure out a team. But we're behind the Mets now. And that's a team that we're like always compared to because we're the second team in each of our cities. But... The Mets were in a pretty similar spot. Like, they got DeGrom. We got Giolito. They have some young talent that's like, you know, Conforto is great, but is he really going to take that leap to be kind of an MVP candidate? We have some guys like that. But they looked at their team and thought, yeah, we might win a division. We got Pete Alonso, young player. We got Moncada, whatever. They traded for Lindor and Carrasco. They signed Stroman. Like, these are two huge moves that they were probably going to make the playoffs anyway this year and then added a top five player in baseball, added an awesome pitcher, and then added another awesome pitcher. Like, why aren't we doing this? It's crazy. Right. right. And that that's why I bring them up is just because they've bunny hopped us and there's been no, you know, three-year discussion of, oh, the Mets return to glory. Pretty much they had – a handful of amazing players, pitchers specifically. Pete Alonso showed up out of nowhere. Dominic Smith shows up out of nowhere. And now they're better than us, I guess. So, no, I, yeah, to go back to am I happy with how we did starting pitching? No, because you make one splash and we're in that top five conversation and now we're in the top ten conversation. It would be... I'm trying to think, like, if, if the Sox traded for Lindor, if they looked at the free agent landscape, like, none of these guys really do much for us. We don't like Springer long-term because of the injuries. Whatever, I get it. But if Lindor's sitting there and you can do a one-two punch of making the Indians worse, making us so much better, and potentially locking down Lindor for, like, the next eight years and telling him... I mean, Tim Anderson seems like a team-first guy asking Tim Anderson to move to second base, like, why wasn't that an option? The the Mets didn't really give up much for Lindor. We could have easily beat that offer. It's just, it's so frustrating to see other teams who are already good make themselves better and the Sox just be content with being fine. Yeah, I think we made ourselves better, but not enough. Yeah. Just, if that makes sense. I mean, we just sort of inched. And it, it just goes back to sort of the language from the front office that, oh, yeah, there's more coming. And it sort of, you know, geared up the fan base to expect some big move. And it really never came. Like, I guess Liam Hendricks was the move they were talking about. But I think if you look back and we had re-signed Colme or gone after someone else that, what is he, the 
the Pirates reliever that's going to be moving. If we had just gotten anyone and they were satisfactory, people would have been fine with it. And then if you throw in, let's also get Azuna or Brantley or Bauer, people would have been ecstatic. So I just feel like we shot our wad on a non, you know, something that's not going to actually make us elite. And we watched all of our needs get sucked up by either, you know, the Podgers or the Twins even. And I mean, sort of watched it happen. I guess to the counter argument, like if you want to take the side of ownership, I don't know why you would. I'm looking at the biggest contracts handed out this season. And Hendricks was the sixth biggest contract. So Rick Hahn can listen to all this criticism and say, I don't know what more I could have done. We gave the sixth biggest contract. And if you look at the contracts ahead of us, Springer was the biggest. That's a 31-year-old with injury history who just got a six-year contract. Are the Sox comfortable with that? Especially with Springer? Since, yeah. So maybe mm-hmm. break Springer off. Like We're just not comfortable giving that large of a contract at injury risk. I think that's a fair point. And then JT Realmundo was second. He wasn't leaving Philly. We already have a catcher. So irrelevant. Trevor Bauer, maybe he never wanted to come to Chicago, but still $102 million. I think that is like the red sirens going off. Why didn't we beat that offer? But then you go to number four, LeMayhew. He didn't leave uh, New York. And number five, Ozuna, he didn't leave Atlanta. So we got the sixth. Three of the top five stayed with their teams. One we probably shouldn't have signed. So then it's really like, okay, Hendricks, sixth biggest. Why couldn't we get Bauer? And that's really what this comes all down to. We can talk about a number of guys. It's really, why didn't we get Trevor Bauer? But then is that a fair question? Because could we have ever gotten Trevor Bauer? Or is Hendricks literally the best we could have done? And that's, you know, kind of depressing too. But then does Rick Hahn and Reinser really deserve, you know, all this shit? It's a great question. Could we have gotten Bauer? I don't think we could have gotten him for the same price the Dodgers paid. No. If you're the Dodgers and you're in that negotiation, it's very easy to make, hey, you're going to win a championship. That's a lot tougher argument to make in Chicago right now. And he's Just from because. California. He's from L.A. Like, come mm-hmm. back, make $102 million, live in California. Like, we, if they had him for 100 Maybe it would have cost us one fifty. Maybe he was going to the Sox and the Mets and saying, like, yeah, if you want it's gonna take hundred and fifty million dollars. Right. Like yeah, so I but I wouldn't have even minded. <laughs> I wouldn't have either. Yeah, no, I would have been ecstatic. Like, yeah. So I, I, I am gonna fault them not for I don't know, maybe putting something out there that they were in the mix. Because it didn't seem like they really were. Early on, it did, and then it just fizzled. So, but this, but this keeps happening. Like last year, we were apparently really we apparently gave the best up uh, offer to Zach Wheeler, and his wife wanted to stay on the East Coast, which is fine. So we took a little less money to go to Philly, whatever. And then Machado, apparently we were really close to. So it's either like one of two things: we keep coming in second place, or 
Reinsdorf and Han keep floating these like fake offers out to make us feel better. Neither mm-hmm. is good. It's like if we keep coming in second place, that's not good either. At some point, you just got to say, you know what? We're going to have to overpay for a guy. Like if we're always coming in second place because we're constantly paying fair market value, that's not exciting. Like go overpay for a guy. Go win a World Series. Springer, right. the just did. They have the same exciting young core as us. Of course, Springer isn't worth $150 million, but they went and got him. Yeah, I think maybe the Sox front office is maybe delusional about their appeal. Maybe they think, I think that they built a good team, very good team, and it is appealing, but these guys have other options that are more appealing, like the Dodgers, the Yankees, and Atlanta, or Boston, where it's like, okay, they also have a foundation. They're in the contention pretty much every other year. You guys are young upstarts. So when you hear like, oh, yeah, we got outbid, we got outbid, you then learn. Learn from what's happening, which is you're outbid because you're not an attractive team right now. You start winning, you start to get those returns long term because like now, now you're a winning team. So now people actually want to come here. So maybe you overpay four guys to underpay two guys in the future but you need to overpay at some point because that, well that's what it seems like is happening where we lock down moncada lock down robert uh eloy all these guys lock down team friendly extensions giolito's the one who hasn't and i don't know if it, it seems like he's gonna want to go to free agency to just get a massive deal can't fault him for that but that kind of blows up all of the Sox plans. If they're like, all right, we're going to get Anderson, all these young guys on team friendly contracts to allow us to overpay. Well, then if we overpay Giolito just to stay, that's not really that awesome either. That doesn't really improve our team to keep someone who's already here. So I wonder if that's the end point of this. And if it is, are we good enough to, because then our 2021 team is basically it. That's as good as it's going to get. Maybe it's, enough to win a world series maybe not but if all of this extra savings is just to give giolito 200 million i don't know if that's super exciting i'd love to see him stay here i'd love to see him build like a hall of fame career but i wouldn't necessarily be excited about that yeah i'm i'm i mean that's great to have giolito long term and i i really do think they're gonna get a deal done that is fan friendly i just think that's how it's gonna work out or team friendly, excuse me. Yeah. Uh, Cause I, I just think that's who he is. And given that the Sox gave him a chance when he was pretty much the worst, he was, he was the worst pitcher in baseball Yeah. and they've enabled him. They've given him, you know, authority to, you know, do what he likes. So I, th- I think it's going to end up being a good deal. Um, I was reading. Is, is it even going to matter though? That's the question. Like, well, that's the big question. Will it matter? But I, I right. think there is, um, I was reading something about how people do think he is going to go to free agency because I think he comes from a little bit of money. I think his family it was like doing fine growing up. So, and then he did get a huge bonus when he got drafted because he was like a first round pick. I think he got like $6 million. So those two things, like he got a big bonus when he was 18. His family is like very fine financially there's no urgency to lock down 60 million dollars now when in two years it could be 180 
because he, I mean, if you look at like the starting pitchers who are potentially going to be free agents, he's clearly the best in terms of who's actually going to be available. There's not that many right. young pitchers who are going to be available and who already have success. So why wouldn't Giolito see if like, oh, the Dodgers just gave Bauer hundred million. Why couldn't I get 150 to go back home, live in California? Like, and then this all falls apart. Because who's the next up? Keuchel? Like Dallas Keuchel is our ace? It's Lance Lynn, who's 35. Hmm. Fair question. Fair question. Um, so starting pitching versus like a DH or outfielder, what do you think was the bigger flub? DH outfielder because it was two massive holes that weren't addressed at all. Well, I guess Eaton technically addressed it, but I could not care less about Adam Eaton. It was addressed in a completely unsatisfactory (laughs) Yeah, I guess it was addressed. At the very least, it was addressed. Um, On the lineup, right field, addressed. (laughs) I think it's fair to expect one of those two things to work out for Adam Vaughn to come up and be immediately good or for Adam Eaton to kind of recover some of his uh, lost skills to just kind of right off 2020 COVID season weird. I think it's fair to expect one of those two things to happen, but the Sox are expecting and needing both to happen. And I think that's a ridiculous expectation. So yeah, yeah. when Ozuna for six, like, oh my God, if we signed Ozuna, we'd win the AL Central easily be... AL favorites, maybe. I would agree. I mean, when I look at the top 10 pitchers available, it, after Trevor Bauer, the floor kind of falls out. You oh, got yeah. Kevin Gossman, Marcus Stroman, Mike Miner, Charlie Morton, Drew Smiley, Corey Kluber, Garrett Richards, James Paxton, Adam Wainwright. There's two two names, maybe three that I'd be interested in, in that list, but only one who I'd be willing to say, yes, he makes a difference. And that's Bauer. I think maybe another one that I was interested in is Kluber. I kind of, I know I said I would not sign a Quintana, but I think maybe a potential Kluber bounce back season could have been something nice, but the rest of the guys I really have zero interest in. That sound you just heard was me doing control F for Rodan on the uh, list of top free agents. And that sound was alerting me that he was not on this list. Not found. Well, if you, if you uh, filter down to starting pitching, you'll see him below Jose Arena and Mike fears. Oh God, that is, that's a bummer. It's probably for the best that uh, there were zero results on your command F. Oh boy. (laughs) Below John Lester. Below Jake Arietta, Below is, Chris Archer. Is he really below those guys? He surely is. Oh, God. That sucks. Man. Actually, that, that was in salary. I'm going to I'm gonna maybe make your day a little better and sort by projected war. Oh, uh, nope. Let's, let's pretend I didn't just resort. Because in the resort, he's in the second table, which I think would put him at 27. That is not uh that is not good news. He's he's gonna be our number four starter. Maybe, maybe. 
Well, let's I think we can talk about projected uh, rotation because I, I, I kind of want to get into him in the spring training yeah. preview. I well, I on as well. Right, and I so I I agree. I there was one more guy I did want to talk about for free agency that I came out that the Sox did make a larger offer for, which was yeah. Peterson, and he signed with the Jack. Cubs. Yeah, he signed with the Cubs one year, seven million. I can't remember the exact offer, but it came out that he, the Sox offered him pretty early in the off season, like one year, twelve million, and mm-hmm. I turned it down because he thought he can get a second year or maybe he thought he can get a little bit more money. That was a bad choice on his part because we signed Adam Eaton instead. So that, to me, I know people don't love Jack Peterson. I love him because he's Jewish. I'm Jewish. <laughs> I'm a Jewish ball player. He, I think, would help this team. He's what we thought Nomar Mazzara would be last year. Lefty, power, bat. So that's one where it was like, would he have made the difference between us and winning the World Series? No. Would I have loved him way more than Adam Eaton? Absolutely. So that's, I mean, they got identical contracts pretty much, right. and Jock Peterson is twice the player Adam Eaton is. A little younger too, I think, probably like four years younger. Three. Three. Oh man, he's a little older than I thought. So, but yeah, Jack is twenty-nine years old. He's a guy where if he gets a starting playing spot and he hits thirty-five homers. That doesn't surprise you. Like Jack Peterson could put up a monster year this for the Cubs this year. Adam Eaton, like yep. what's a monster 2021 for Adam Eaton look like? Like nine home runs? I don't want to know what that looks like. <laughs> <laughs> Some abomination. <laughs> yeah, that that's a really good call out, especially it's in the city. It's the exact same deal. It's the exact same position. And somehow we came out the worse. And Peterson. I mean, I wouldn't have even cared if we just doubled down and got both of them. Exactly. That's a great point. Like, what what would have been wrong with getting both? Why did they sign Eaton and be like, eh, sorry, Jack, our roster's set. We got to give the DH spot to a rookie who hasn't played above A ball. Like, what were they? Right. Thinking? Let's it's- say worst case scenario, you have both. You could put Jock as DH. He can hit. Yeah. Like, <laughs> or yeah. You, or you can uh, use Jock as, like, start getting Eloy some time at DH. You know, put Jock, you can play Eden and Jock at the same time. Like, is Eden, there's no way Eden's going to last 162 games anyway. Like, he's always injured. Eloy's going to fall into a fishing net again and miss 30 games. We need some depth. Absolutely. <laughs> Eli Jimenez has some of the funniest injuries in Major League Baseball. Not funny, like scary, but you have to laugh just to get through them. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, I, I think I'm going to answer my own question, too. Uh, I do think the I th- maybe I already did. The DH outfield was the big fumble for the offseason. There's Wait, another name yeah. I just remembered. Sorry, real quick. Uh, Kyle Schwarber. Kyle Schwarber, I thought, was one that was made a ton of sense. One year, $10 million. It's less than we apparently offered Jack Peterson. Lefty bat, young, could still, you know, put up a huge power season. Went to the Nationals for one year, 10 mil. So when you look at these, like Schwarber, one year, 10. 
Peterson one year seven and we get Adam Eaton for one year seven. Those are the two where, oh my God, so disappointing. Absolutely. All right. Uh, Yeah, let's wrap up this episode there. I think, you know, we started off happy. We ended up unhappy with how free agency went for the White Sox, given what everyone else did. And uh, our next episode, we're going to talk about spring training starts this week, tomorrow. We're actually going to do two episodes back to back right now. So we'll be pacing those out over the week. And we're going to talk about who we'd like to see make the team, maybe some some head-to-head, who's going to start, who should be here, who's going to be a surprise. We'll get into all that in the next episode. Don, you got any closing comment? I got literally nothing. Sorry. Jock Peterson is Don's favorite player. That's his closing comment. We don't have, I mean, uh, our people, we don't have a lot. We had Ryan Braun for a while, and that's it, so... Mm-hmm. Put over here in the Jewish baseball fan uh, club. Didn't didn't end well for him. No, I not read, at all. <laughs> I think I read yesterday that he's not even interested in playing baseball this year. So. Oh, he's just retiring. He's just he's done. Oh damn, that sucks. So it's a sad day for the chosen. <laughs> all right, well we'll catch you guys on the next episode of Burlers Hurlers, and uh, have a good one. That's unbelievable.